0: Okay. So let's let's begin. So I'm going to explain to you the the topic. Then uh we'll see we'll see how far we get. So what the issue that intrigues me is let, let's call it the the religiosity of the Lavan family. So we'll we'll put it like this. And now, of course, we know that when it was time for Yitzchak to get married, that Avram goes and sends his Eved to come back to this area to find a wife. And it's a a famous issue, it's a famous question, that when the test was established to see who's going to be the appropriate person, there was never uh, a a question of the person's... There was never a test in terms of... uh, to see if uh, she went to Beis Yaakov to see exactly what she learned, what she knew, and so on. But rather, the test that was established was a test of chesed. So, the ron very famously said, it's easier to change one's belief than it is to change one's behavior. So, let's just say we accept that point. Why then, nonetheless, was the destination to go all the way back to Avram Avinu's hometown? And the answer is, and you know, this is something that we see throughout Sefer Bereshit, that there is the family of Shem, and then there's a the family of Ham. There's also the family of Yafed. But when we look at the three children of Noach, so we know that Ham is cursed, and we know that Shem is blessed. And I'll say again, Yafed, until we get to Hanukkah at least, is out of our interest and is not really someone who is of incredible interest in Seyf Bereshit. But once you realize that, so of course one has to go back to a place where you can find someone from the family of Shem, because apparently the the Canaanites and the Chittites and so on, these are the people who come from Ham, and therefore any relationship there would be inappropriate, which again would point towards the problematic behavior of somebody like uh, Asav, who ignores this issue. So therefore, you know, I raise the question of somebody who's an appropriate match, you know, for Yitzhak on the one hand, for Asav on the other hand, and and by the way, you can go back and ask about Avram as well. So it's not a question necessarily of the religious orientation, the, the question is one of the genealogical ori- orientation, which, of course, you can claim to me smacks of racism and so on and so forth. But that that per se is of uh, of this moment of not all that much interest to me. But it's it's this obverse- it's observation to see you know what's going on. So now, nonetheless, despite all of that, what I do want to do today is to look at the religious orientation of. Uh, of Lavan, and of his uh, family, of, of his daughters more specifically. And part of what I want to ask is, okay, how, how how firm were they? Now, firm is a terrible word, and obviously has connotations to it, but nonetheless I want to ask. So, when I ask the question, how firm were they? So then the obvious answer is, well, it depends on how they dressed, because the main thing about being firm is, has to do with uh, how you dress. So, there there is um, a number of chesidim nushalayim where these white kind of uh, beckishes with some gold or some blue in it. So if you know where exactly this custom comes from it's because more than 100 years ago when there were Jews living here and if uh, some Arabs, certain Arabs would see them from afar they would shoot at them if they were wearing which would be obvious Jewish dress. So what they started to do is they started to wear Arab dress. So they would dress the same way that the Arabs did, and then from afar they couldn't tell who it was. So they couldn't; the snipers couldn't shoot at them. So uh, I once asked a fellow who is a, a posek today for one of the one of the large Hasidic groups. I said, "No." So I understand it was pikuach nefesh a years ago. They had to dress that way. But what's the excuse today? Why do they still wear the dressing? So you, you know, it's not Jewish dress. You know, you're very Makbid You know, Hasidim. If you know this, but even the this, the buttons, which side the buttons are on. He, the is it right over left or left over right? And which it has to be, of course, right over left. It has to be uh, rachemim over din, and so on and so forth. So even the buttons have to be put on a particular way. So I said, so how can you keep on dressing in this non-Jewish dress? And he said, no. I'll tell you what the chassidim say. The chassidim say, no, where did Yismarl come from? His father was Avram. So therefore, apparently, it's not non-Jewish. It's it, it's it's Jewish dress. It's the way that Avram used to dress. So therefore, it's a Jewish dress. Okay. So I go back to my question and say, no, so how uh, from was Lovon. So maybe Lavan also wore the same kind of clothing as Avram. So maybe he's also from and that ends the discussion. But we don't have to stop there because we actually have some Pesukim and it's the Pesukim which will intrigue us. And we're going to start at the end and then we're going to go backwards and then we'll see how far we get. But Yaakov. Now, this is when they already are going to, you know, had their fight. Are am going to try to make peace. Hinea Galazzevinea <laughs> Matseva share Yariti Beniu Venecha. Eid Hagalazzev Eidaha Matseva Imanilo Avor Elecha etagalazzev Imatalo Tavorela etagalazzevetamatseva Zot Liraa Elohe, this is the important verse Elohe Avraham Velohe Nachor Yishpetu Benenu. The God of Avraham and the God of Nachar will judge between us. Now, if it were the same God, then it would have said, Elohei Avraham v'Nachar. But that's not what it says. The God of Avraham, the God of Nachar, Yishpitu will judge between us. Elohei Avihem, the God of their fathers. And then Yaakov takes a (laughs) vow by Yitzchak. He doesn't want to go down that path. In source number two, Mesechet Sofrim, it says, Elohei Avraham, Kodesh. Ve'elohi Nachar, Chol. Elohei Avihem, Chol. Now what is this Kodesh and Chol? We've seen this in the past. It means that when he says Elohei Avraham, he's talking about God, that's holy. But when he says Elohei Nachar, he's talking about a Zarah. And that is whole. I mean, it's worse than whole. It's not just that it's mundane compared to holy. It's something which is not just non-sacred. It's something which idolatrous. And I can imagine that there's somebody who's going to give a shear at some point this week, and he's going to quote this Pasuk, and he's going to say, Elokei Avram and Elokei Nachar. And they're, they may be breaking some kind of a prohibition by giving such uh, reverence to idolatry. But what we do see over here is that Lavan, I'm going to say very clearly, shows his card and he says okay, the God of Avram and the God of Nachar and, and he is on the side of the God of Nachar and you know, otherwise again, just why introduce all this? Say, may God judge between us. I don't have to say God of Avram, but no, he's very specific. The God of Avram, the God of Nachar, which and again, clearly I would say, it's not implicit, it's explicitly saying that these are not the same. Now, Having said that, if we now go all the way backwards, and I want to go backwards, sufficiently backwards, so we get to meet love on the the first time, and part of what we're going to be able to hopefully discern is to what extent he is an opportunist and he's manipulative and whatever other terrible things that you want to say about him, but I, I think that they're all going to be fairly obvious, but again, among all those other things, as I also want you to note about how it is that he speaks about God. Now, he's going to do something, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, he's going to do something where the terminology of what he does is something called mirroring. He creates, uh, he mirrors the other individual. Now, if you know what that is, wonderful. If you don't know what that is, then I need perhaps to explain it. It's a tactic which is, and you call it a tactic now, which is used by people who are trying to manipulate us. Sometimes it'll be done by a business person, sometimes somebody make a sale, it could be used and there's a great deal of discussion about this. It could be used on a date. Now when the, the when the date does it is he, is he or she doing this consciously in order to manipulate the person or is this some kind of a subconscious behavior which is being used? But, but first of all, what is it? It it's essentially it's mirroring the other person's um movements. So the other person courses their arms, so then you course your arms. The other person le- stops, and then you stop, which means essentially you're doing what they do, which could create this degree of uh, of comfort. I mean, it could also take place because of a hyper-focus on the other person, ignoring everything around, but it can also take place not just in terms of physical cues, but also in terms of ver- verbal cues. And that's where we'll begin to notice how manipulative... Love one is, but as I said, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, and now we have to go back to the background. There, and there is a parallel here. The parallel is that just like Yaakov is going to go and find his uh, his intended, so back in the day, this person who we call Eliezer went on a similar type of a mission. And one of the things that's going to be really quite different between the two missions. Is the extent that this person, this Evid of Avram, or Eliezer, if you will, will have God on his lips and and, and speak about God. So let, let, let's take a look. Okay, that's just the introduction, and God blesses him. But he Avram summons him in, that's Posikbat, Vavram Bayomar do he wants him to make a vow. So again, God is now introduced. Later on, there'll be some questioning back and forth. What if she doesn't want to come? And what if, what if, what if? And post Zion, Avraham says, he says, don't worry. The same God who who took me out. How do I know the girl's going to want to come? The same way that I traveled this way and that God spoke to me. Now, by the way, there's, there's something very intriguing about this. And I want you to note it. it. The same way that God took me from this place, Now, will it really be the exact same way? Did Avram just now say something that... Only I heard, and I'm reading far too much into it. Did he just now imply that God spoke to Rivka and told just like he said, just like God spoke to me? God is going to send the malach. Will, will, will when he says just like will the did the malach will the malach or will God speak to Rivka and say, no, this is where you need to go? I mean, it's very interesting that Rivka does immediately agree to embark on this mission, and the question is why. So maybe she too. Has some kind of, and again, mo- what I'm looking for is monotheism. What I'm looking for is the sensitivity in this love on family, and of course Rivka is a sister of and so does she, Is she cued in? Does she understand? But again, this is just the the start of the issue. Let's look what happens. He just guaranteed success. So that having happened, in pasuk evid yerechavim. Adonav, Vayishbalo, swore. Now, he travels, gets along the way, and finally gets to the place, and then he brings God into it. Vayom mar, Hashem Avraham. Okay, and he says, God, you know, do some chesed for Avraham. So, God is right now in the story. And he then creates the test. The girl who's going to say such and such and offer the water and so on, then, you know, you will have shown the you would have shown, you would have proven that this is the right person. Before you can even say this, before the words come out, Rivka arrives, and Rivka does and passes the test, and so on, and you get down to Pesach of but he still doesn't know. Now, why doesn't he know? So that's, you know, when we studied this, we brought up some of these questions, but over here the issue also is, who is she? What family is she from? Is she from the right family or not? So he nonetheless goes and, and, and gives her you know, jewelry and so on, and finally in Kafkimel he says Ali, Lalin. Now this is the whole conversation. Who are you? You know, do, is there a place for me to stay? Right? Okay. So she says love Batbitu we have all we we have a place to stay. the band bowed down and he and, and he to God and he said hashem now why am I stressing this because he says something he he, he says a, a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank, you know, thank the God of my master Avram who has not, you know, abandoned him and performed, you know, kindness with him. And he brought me this way, and brought me to, you know, family. And she runs. And she tells her mother's family these things. Now, here's my question. What exactly did she say? So presumably, she said exactly what happened. A man came, gave the jewelry, bowed down, and said a prayer to God. The reason why I so strongly suspect that is because of what happens immediately afterwards. So right after she tells over, she's got a brother named Lavan. Now here, we are now introduced to Lavan. This is going to be the beginning of our possible answer. By Yaretz Lavan... Ela ish achutz and he runs to him elaiin to the spring. But he wrote a tanezim at tzmidim al yaday achoto because Shemuel the דברi rufka lemor kodiber elaiish and when he hears all of the things and this is what the man said. So the man is there. So when he says Baruch Hashem, in my opinion, this is the mirroring. It's the verbal mirroring, which means immediately before he said Baruch Hashem, he says Baruch Hashem. He knows that he's looking for a place to stay. I made space for you, which means what Lavan is doing over here. If if you think that Lavan is sincere, then I just have to ask you one question. Would you buy a used car from this man? And the answer is no. And why is it no? Because you can't trust him. And why can't you trust him? Because he's not a trustworthy person. And now the question is, um, do you think he knows how to mirror in terms of his uh, business dealings? Absolutely. Is he doing this over here? Of course he's doing this over here. Which means we hear Levin saying Baruch Hashem and there's just one problem with it. What's the problem? We don't believe him. We don't believe his sincerity. We believe that he's being manipulative and therefore we're we're still <clears throat> left with some kind of a question mark as far as what exactly is his religiosity. I will say that if you continue this conversation, which is very god oriented God blessed my master in Paslam Hay, and going on um, and and he tells the whole thing that you know God you know sent an emissary in order to make this happen. And the God of Avra made this happen again. You see all the times that I bolded God in all this. And he says, and I bowed down to God, and, and, and I blessed God. <clears throat> and Vaya an loven Ubituel. By the way, right there you also realize that loven is a machutzef. How do you know he is a machutzef? Because he should not have spoken before his father. It should have been, instead, that Vayaan <clears throat> an and maybe in Lavan. Why is Lavan getting involved? And they say, Ah, So this must be the will of God. But we're not convinced at all that they even believe in God. But they believe in a God who is spoken of by a man who's got a whole bunch of jewelry. By the way, later on, there's an attempt to delay the whole process. And I, I think, you know, what's the strategy? I think the purpose to delay is, okay, go back home and bring another 10 camels worth of jewelry, and then we'll talk about it. And finally, he says in Pesach Nunvav, Why are you delaying me? God arranged all of this. So finally they call her and they ask what she wants and she wants to go. And again, that's part of my question. What does she know? And this also to me is quite telling. And they bless Rivka. And you know what I find interesting in that bracha? By the way, Tosfot quotes from some rabbinic sources that this may be one of the sources for a bracha by a wedding. But you know what really strikes me? When they finally speak now to her directly and not to Eliezer, God's not mentioned. I would have expected for our fierce monotheist, like Lavan, who's been talking about God and and so on, to say... Put God in the blessing. He's not there. And to me, that's striking. We then continue, and the source four, we're just going to reference very quickly. This is when Yaakov has, he's, as far as you know, first epiphany. He sees Malachi Elohim, again, midat Hadin. He sees these Malachim going up and down, and then there is this appearance of Hashem. So, on the other hand, Hashem Avraham. So what we have over here is a dual revelation for Avraham of both midat adin and midat rachamim. Yaakov responds to this Right, of God is with me. And then afterwards he says, V'shatu B'shalom Li lelokim." Right? God will be for me a master. And the, these two elements of God, again, which we would call Midat Adin, Midat Rachman, which we're familiar with, we see that Yaakov has a dual revelation of the angels of Elokim on the one hand and of Hashem on the other hand. And this will be important. In source number five, when Yaakov arrives there, and absolutely we should be making a comparison and contrast to what happened when Eliezer arrives. Over here there's no test, there's no mention of God. There is n- none of that takes place. And that's interesting. And finally, what we have Yaakov doing is that he behaves in the Rifka mode rather than in the Eliezer mode, and he goes and he waters the flock. As if what it is that that he's saying, and if as if what he's trying to communicate is, I am a son of Rifka and therefore I'm worthy to marry into this family. But this whole God question, which again, which is I'm searching for, I'm looking for, is completely absent in the very place that it was so present in the Eliezer story. So that that's what I want you to appreciate. So therefore, in a certain sense, we still have an open question. Okay, so, uh, you know, what's going on? Or for that matter, we can ask, what about what about Rachel and Leah? What, what were their, you know, religious orientation? And we're going to get an answer to that very, very quickly. And the answer is going to be so powerful and so clear that I actually want to raise another question. I want you to just to go with me on this and assume that I'm right for the moment that they both have very highly developed religious sensibilities. Stay with me there for a second. Last year, when I spoke about this section, what I had pointed out was that Yaakov is victimized. Rachel and Leah trade places. Leah takes Rachel's place. And Yaakov doesn't run away. Yaakov doesn't say, you people are out of your minds. And rather Yaakov absorbs this indignity and I think part of my sense even is that he, sa- he recognizes the similarity between this and him impersonating his brother and being the beneficiary of that. So in a sense, he deserves this, and he knows he deserves this. But just because he deserves it, you know, it's sort of like the philosophical question with, uh, with power, Why should power be punished? I mean, Am Yisrael, it's in the Brit B'nai But Lavan didn't have to be the one to do it. And, okay, so Lovin's a bad guy, and Lovin's manipulative, and Lovin's going to get him to work for another another seven years. That we all get. But what are Rachel and Leah? I mean, what kind of people are these? And I just said that I do believe that they are spiritually developed people, but how can they do such a thing? Which leads me then to something which I have no proof, but I I sense nonetheless. One of the things that we had noted, again, we're not going to look at it inside now, was that when... Rivka tells Yaakov to go and impersonate Asav, he says, but my father's going to curse me. And she says, oh, the curse will be upon me. If you look at the Targum over there, the Targum Onkula says, but I'm telling you to do this based upon a nivouah. I had a prophecy. Now, whether this is an independent nivouah or it's back to that original nivouah that she thinks needs to be applied in this case, I don't know. But she is insistent that this is God's will. And I wonder, I wonder if Rachel and Leah also had some kind of a nubuah, that this is God's will. Now, why am I saying that? Well, one, I'm saying this because otherwise their behavior is horrific. I know, I know that I, and I suggested this, you know, what, it's very funny. What do Yaakov and Leah talk about on their first date, which is after they got married, Right. Normally, your first date is before, but their first date is afterwards because now they're mad. What do they talk about? So they probably they have something in common. What do they have in common? They both impersonated their siblings. Yeah. So were you nervous? No. Nah, 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 yeah, pretty much. What about you? Yeah, I was nervous. I, were you afraid you're going to get caught? Absolutely. And again, they have this commonality. But is that really what the relationship... How does the relationship continue? Okay. So Jaco feels guilty and he thinks he deserves this, but still... Is Leah the one to mean out the punishment? I mean, why is this? Which leads me back to this point. When Yaakov did it, he did it because there was a prophecy. And that's again, that's what the Targum says, that Rivka says. No, this is God's will. Do Leah and Rachel have the same sense that it's God's will? And I I just want to strengthen this a little bit. You know, the 12 tribes are going to emerge out of this mistake. That has to be part of God's plan. It's not that, that this kind of just happened. I'm going to add another point, which Rabbi Saloveitchik said. But I'll warn you, he said with a smile. Sometimes you have to know when something said with a smile and when something is said, you know, unqualified, without qualifications. Here there was a smile. He said, "Why does Judaism follow the mother?" And he said, "The answer is is because the mothers had a better sense about who was a Jew." Where Avram wanted to keep Yishmael, Sarah said, "Get rid of the bomb." Where where Yitzhak thought that Esav is going to be the one, Rivka knew that it's not. So the mothers have a better sense. For that matter, Yaakov wanted to marry. who wanted to marry. But no, Rachel and Leah work it out among themselves, and that's where Am Yisrael emerges, which means who is going to be a Jew? The mothers have a better sense than the fathers do. So this is part of the story, and, and a very strong part of the story, which then leads me to say, are they acting on an intuition? Are they acting, is this just self-servicing? Or, although we understand, of course, for, for Rachel, there's a great deal of self-sacrifice now the way i've went you know in the past on this was much more on the human side rather than on the god side and the human side would be that rachel feels his sister is going to be humiliated she's the older sister though we don't know how much older she's the older sister she's still single and, and uh and rachel says listen i don't want her to be humiliated and maybe yaakov who had such a complicated relationship with his brother looks and he watches how the two sisters can care about one another so much he says you know what it's because of this kind of love and compassion and care that I'm going to stay with these people because there is this decency. So even though coming from the love sign, there's complete lack of decency, that when you look at it from Yaakov looking how Rachel and Leia care about one another. So I'm saying that's how I saw this before and I'm not discounting that. But what if there's also a divine message in here as well, which then parallels the message that the Targum says that Rivka, was experiencing. So I'm saying, I'm throwing that out as a question, but you're, again, asking me silently, why am I saying that? Well, let's take a look now more at their spiritual identity. We're told right afterwards that Yaakov loves Rachel more than Leah, and then the response is, Pasuk Aleph, which we have over here, Vayar Hashem kisnoa Leah. Now, it didn't say that she's hated, but that's how she feels. Why does she feel that way? Because your husband loves somebody else more. But notice which name of God is used. Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Rachamim. And God sees that Leah was hated. And God creates a situation that she can have children and Rachel can't. ki ki Hashem ishi. Because God saw my suffering, now perhaps my husband will love me which means her naming of this child, and first of all, she uses the Yudke Vavke, she uses the Sheim Hashem, and she's absolutely correct in her sensibility and sensitivity about what's taking place in heaven. Hashem kisna Le'ah, and she says, okay, thank you, God, for doing this, and perhaps now my husband will love me. The next kid comes, vatar od ben Vatomar Hashem Anochi, God heard, God knows that I'm hated hated. So I'm saying it's right there. Therefore she calls him Shimon. So therefore she uses the shame Hashem in the first two kids. And the first one is focused towards maybe my husband will love me. And the second one right? God will see, God sees maybe my husband will love me. Other one God heard that I'm hated. And the third one is Ben Now God is not mentioned over here but maybe my husband will nonetheless join me. So there's so much pathos over here. I mean, there really is sadness. And even though maybe they got along and maybe they loved one another, I'm talking about Rachel and Leah, but there's still sadness here because she knows that she's not really the the beloved wife. The fourth child, Vatar, Odeh et Hashem, mm-hmm. she thanks God for giving her four children. So it's quite consistent. The introduction is that God sees that she's hated. She knows it. It's Yudke Vavke. That is Rachamim. That is what she senses. And three out of the four kids, that's the way they're named. We move on to the next chapter and we go back to Rachel. So, Rachel, you know, each one wants what the other one has. Rachel wants children while Leah wants a husband. Vater Rachel ki loyal da Rachel b'achotah. Tomo Yakov, she says to Yaakov, Havali v'im ayin Now that that sentence itself in my mind is very Rifka like. Rivka also got dramatic like this occasionally. I am I'm gonna die and so on. And so it's interesting to me that she says, you know, bring me children. and, and I want to also mention another thing. When Rifka suffered through her infertility, we're told that Yitzchak was in the room praying. And maybe she's complaining, you're not praying for me. Why wouldn't she pray? For, why wouldn't he pray for it? Because he already has children. Now notice Am I here in God's place? Am I the one who prevented you from having children? Now it, it, again, Yaakov speaks of God. He speaks of Midharadin. and look now how Rachel processes. She then, you know, if, if now I was comparing it to Yitzchak and Rivka, I can now go back a step further and compare it to Avram and Sarah, who then bring Hagarin, even though it didn't work that well. So she says, okay, let's go that way. If you're not going to do anything, I'm not going to have children. So, v'titen loot bilha shifchata. Okay, she has, has a child. And what is her response? M'idat hadin. How clearly? Vatoma rachel danani elokin right? Yaakov's response is and she says, you know, God judged. There's judgment going on over here. So it's also really interesting because the first, there's two points here. The first point is when we looked at Leah, there's a very, very clear God, consciousness, and Leah naming the children, realizing her point, and realizing God. And it's, it's interesting. She could have been bitter, but she senses a, a God who loves and a God who's full of Rachamim, who's given her these children, and, and, and she articulates that. And Leah, on the other hand, sorry, Rachel, on the other hand, is looking at this situation and in terms of, much more in terms of Midat Hadin, and when a child finally comes, who's a surrogate child in a sense, even there she says, see, God has judged. And she's using, she's also addressing in, and and has this God consciousness, but of course there's Midat Hadin, and even to this extent that that's the name of the child. Afterwards, again, the next child, Naftuli elokim, and again, Midat Hadin is mentioned in the two children named by Rachel. So you, this is not a coincidence. Afterwards, Leia sees that she doesn't have children, so now she brings in Zilpah, but notice at this point there's no name of God. But ba'God, but 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 at this point one has to ask ourselves how much this was the Shem Shamayim and how much there was this God consciousness, and it seems in fact to be to be missing. Later, we have the story of the Duda'im, and now Leah, who had suffered through some secondary infertility, has two more children. But now it's Midrashin. VeYishma Leah, right? God hears Leah, and what's her response? She names the child. VeTomer Leah Natan Elokim Shari, and names him Yisachar. Zvadani Elokim, and she names him Zvulun. So what's fascinating over here? And again, maybe we all miss this for a very simple reason that we weren't looking for it. But the level of God consciousness within Rachel and Leah is phenomenal, especially Leah, by the way, that we may not have noted before. And the her response, her sensitivity to respond to the particular aspect of God, which has been working in heaven as it were and she identifies it and she understands it is absolutely phenomenal so over here again I can say without any hesitation that what's taking place and it's true again by both of them is really if we had any doubts again we have great doubts about Lavan but by this point we don't have any doubts about Rachel and Leah because again they really seem to be quite spiritually sensitive Finally, we get to Elohim et Rachel and Pasukav. Ah, and by the way, then Leah has one more daughter after the two sons Elohim, Elohim, right? Yusachan will and she has a daughter, and that was Elohim Midar And what does she name her daughter? Well, of course, she names the daughter Dina, which is Midar Adin. So I'm just saying is that the, the sensitivity of Leah over here is really quite impressive. Then Elohim et Rachel, elokim, So again, when Leah has her children, it's was over here, it's Adin. So again, she correctly identifies the divine action and response. And then, but now she prays, and she prays and says, And this Yosef Hashem, you know, okay, Midar Adin, she had one, but maybe I can have another one. Of course, the way that that's going to end up working out with Binyamin, which will be the end of her life, is also. Quite interesting. Now, when this happens, it after Yosef is born, something else is set in motion. Okay, it's time for me now to go home. Give me my wife's children and let me leave. of Zion. I mean, obviously he also wants his wages, but Yomelov Lavan. Now the problem over here, okay, and if we'll skip the word nichashti, then he seems to say, okay, I, God blessed me because of you, and and I was blessed because of you. The problem, of course, is this word nichashti. So Rashi says, nichashti, verse, sorry, source seven, and that is some kind of wizardry. Nisiti yadcha You know, I tested and I looked and I looked into my Avodah Zarah or whatever it may be and I realized that it was because of you that I've been blessed. Although again, I just want you to notice the verse again. Nichashti Hashem I was blessed because of you by God, but I understand this from my idolatry, which is a wonderful combination, wonderful complex combination. Rabbeinu Miyuchus says the obvious, nechashiti, badakti I checked using all kinds of magic and miracles and so on, but the Ibn Ezra, sorry, he's the one who says the obvious, and he says, nechashiti ki olecha hayala krot nechashim v'yeshlo trafim, so here is our theory of conservation of Avodah that we know that Lovin has his uh, Trafim. So he says, oh, that must have been it. We're going to skip 10, 11, and 12, and 13, 14, 15, is from someone from the family of the Chassam Sofer, and he actually is, and he says something really clever. He says, why does he throw in the Nichashti? He says, if he would have just said, you know, God bless me because of you, then he would have said, Okay, give me my ten percent, my twenty percent, my thirty percent, whatever it may be. it seems to me the love and Yuremi says Yomar that he was afraid that Yaakov was going to say, You will bless because of me, give me my money. Right? When I came here you didn't have anything, and he got wealthy because of me lecheiniktim lavan le mar nihashti sheu lashona Vodazara, zara sheydeini chushavoder zara yodeya zot va az bava would be silent milomarlo bishumpam shea yadonit brakh kevin sheydeya zot o so what the, what rev sofer is saying over here is that again love lavan Who's manipulative is even now manipulating him by by mentioning a Zarah within this sentence so that Yaakov will be neutralized and not being able to uh to say anything even you know please give me my money but but again, this does go away you know towards our understanding about who he is and for all the previous times that Lovin was talking about God, now you realize when he should you know if he would have just said the way that he could have or should have said okay. I'm aware that God blessed me because of you, so Yaakov could have then, no, but he can't say that. And over here, he finally goes back to his Avodah Zarah. Whether it's a pure manipulation, which is in character, or whether it's merely a peek into the personality is of less interest to me, but either way, Lova now is talking about Avodah Zarah. And it's not remember that's where we ended up today. Where he's saying no swear by the God, and that was that was a vote of zarah. Yeah, I mean that, that that's who lovin is. That that should not have been such a surprise. When um when we continue and go to source eighteen. Here we also will get another peek into not just the relationship, but also a peek into the inner world once again of Leah and Rachel, and for that matter Yaakov. You know, the wolves have ears. He says, let's go out and talk in the field. Now this is after Yaakov has beaten love at his game, where the the flock were had their stripes and their dots or whatever it is that they had. And now he's taken a great deal of the possessions. You know, I worked with all my strength. By the way, the Rambam actually brings that as a halacha, that a person has to work with all their strength, just like Yaakov the Tzadik did. That, 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 that's an ethic. It's a Jewish ethic to work work hard. You know, your father, you abused me. He my name kept changing it and again so Yaakov here speaks to his wives this personal private conversation God protected me God would not let him do this to me and again he reiterates a couple of verses later and again he talks about the about the stripes and the dots and it was God who gave it to me and again he t- now he tells about a dream and in the dream a malach Elohim came and appeared and he, I said here I am and he says you know I'm the God I'm the, the revelation that you had back then with the angels going up and going down and it's time for you to go back home, right? Time to go home. I I just want to note something, that when Yaakov left, he left. He was actually on a dual mission. His father told him to go and find a wife, while his mother said, run away because your brother wants to kill you, and I'll send for you. So one of the things is we never find him sending. We never find your sending, which either means that he never calms down, or it means that uh, Rivka dies beforehand. And it's a little troubling. I, I will stress, because you know, one of the issues or the themes that come up is that Asav honored his parents, or at least his father. So when Yaakov leaves, he's honoring his father, right? But his father just don't get a wife, and theoretically he could have come back home. He would have to stay for 20 years. But his mother said, stay until I call for you. So the whole time Yaakov is there, he's fulfilling the mitzvah of Kifud Aim, but once he got married, and he could have come back, so that should have been the completion of honoring his his father, so we'll keep that in mind. I also came across a commentary of one of the Baliatos vote, the Moshev Skenim, and I just want to show this to you because he he again, whether you actually believe it or not is something else, but he makes something else a little bit tighter in source sixteen. Rifka again is told, and she knows that Asa wants to kill him, and she says, "No, listen to me, run away." Posak Mem Daled V'yashavti Mo Yemi Machadim Adashert Ashuv Chama Atachicha Till He Calms Down Adshuv Afachicha Memchav V'yishachet It Ashar Asit Elo V'yishalacti And I'll Send For You Ulakhti Misham And Bring You From There Now One Of The Rumors Rabbi Salvezich Suggested Is Next Week We'll Meet This uh, Devora Mineket Rivka So He Claims Oh That's Who she, that, that That's The One Who Was Sent That That That's What She Was Doing Over There So The Moshev Skenim Says V'yishalacti Chachti Misham Tema. We don't find that there was anybody sent. Nearly, God was a Shliach. And that's why he said in the verse we just now read, and that's why God says, time to go back home. Which means God saying to go back home is in line with what Rivka said. I'll send someone for you. Okay, she couldn't find someone to go. So God said, okay, I'll take care of it. So it's interesting. But even if I don't put God in this story, God is in the story anyway. I'm saying, even if I don't put God in as the emissary, as it were, of Rivka, nonetheless, it really is quite clear. As, you know, as Yaakov is speaking, he's saying, God came to me in a dream. And uh, I said, you know, he called me. I said, here I am. And he says, okay, it's time to go back. Okay. So the response of Rachel and Leah and Udalities, Vatan Rochavalaya Vatamarlo, Ha Odlanu lanu Vanachra Biveta Vina, which may be which may be said um quite rhetorically. You know, do we have any you know, do we actually own anything in our father's uh family? A are, 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 are we still uh are we still, you know, part of that family financially? Hallo noch ryotnok Shavnolo, Kimakharno What are you talking about? We are like staying strangers. He sold us for your labor. Now listen to the way they're speaking. Again, they speak of God. All the things which God saved from our Father, So they're very clearly on Yaakov's side. God has gotten involved. God has taken this money. God gave it to us. God gave it to us and our children. Obviously, everything which God has said, Go ahead and do so. I'm going to say it again. We do get a really good sense of Rachel and Leah. Now, the one thing in all of this which is confusing and complicated is actually what happens next, and that is Vatignov Rachel et Trophim Asher and she steals the Trophim. So it's over here that. You know, we can go a couple of different ways. Before I, I do that, we'll notice again that God gets involved and God speaks to Lavan. Vayavo Elokim el Lavan and says, "You know, be nice to them," which was one of the reasons that I suggested that maybe God really gets involved far more than we realize, that God got involved and he, uh, and he spoke to Paro. God gets involved and he speaks to Avimelech. God gets involved and he speaks to Lavan. Maybe God got involved and he speaks to Esav and tells him to be nice as well. Maybe that explains why Esav backs down. Maybe God got involved and told Rachel and Leah what they should do, which means God's involvement in pushing buttons and telling people what to do, I think is really quite interesting. And everything I've said till now really goes in that direction. I just want to say one thing. There are a couple of different possibilities as to why Rachel would have taken the Trophim. Let me say what I don't like. And uh, there's actually a Midrash that could support this. And maybe she took the Trophim for the same reason she wanted the Dudaim. The Dudaim she wants apparently because they are good for fertility. And that's what her problem is. Maybe she's willing, you know, somebody's desperate, is willing to turn to all kinds of crazy things. And maybe she thinks that the Trafim can help her also re- religiously. Now, that would be very disturbing. And as I said, I don't like that. I would rather say one of two things which are, which are very close. One is that she wants her parting gift to her father is, is try to, you know, as any good Baal Tshuva wants to... Uh, you know, put their parents in place as well, and therefore she wants to take the Avodah zara from her parents, which, by the way, would put her behavior much closer to Avram's breaking the idols. This is her breaking the idols, and she's taking away the Trafim. The other way, by the way, could be that she wants to bother him, and and, and he's going to, you know, want to follow them and whatever, and this will this will take away his confidence, because it was the Trafim's, Perhaps that, that is the Nichush that told him where his money came from. Maybe the Trafim is going to help her help Lovan track them down and therefore she wants to slow him down so he won't be able to be successful. And that's the way that the that the Rashbam understands it, at least at least according to my recollection. So again, Lovan now is warned by God and uh you know he catches up and finally we'll get up to you know, really where we started today, where they have the vow taking place and so on. I, I do want to point at the postscript. The postscript is, you know, starting in source 19, Vayomer lokim Yakov, Yaakov, you know, this is Perak Lamed and he says, kumale betel, again, he tells him, go back, go to betel, v'shevsham, and this is where you should be, and this is where you should build a mezbah. And he continues, and Vayomer yaakov al betel, and Yaakov's response is to tell, his household, to all the people there, get rid of all the idolatry. That it's time for us to uh, get rid of all this. So there's actually more than one way of reading this. You know, the way the Pasuk writes it, So the word is is interesting. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi suggests where did the Elohei Nechar come from? Mishlal shel Shechem. That's what was captured when they were in Shechem. This Midrash, which is not even numbered because it got added in after I numbered, but I'll put a number there for you, 22. This Midrash says, <laughs> Yud, Sharnashav, Zulati Rachel, Lavan. The only one who is was suspicious that may still have had Trafim was Rachel that maybe she had Levan. Now, by the way, we don't know if Yaakov ever found out that Rachel took them. We also, I want to reiterate, don't know why she took them. And even if she took them, maybe she took them so that Lavan couldn't use them. Nonetheless, there is that one voice in the midrash saying, and again, the obvious thing which Rashi brings as well is that what, what would be the Elohei Nechar? That would be the 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 things which they captured from Shem, which is made before this. But there is that one voice saying, "Well, maybe it's the Trafim still, and the, that it's in Rachel's hands." And as I said, that would be very disturbing. And I don't see any reason to say that. Again, the the way you would build that narrative would be to say that Rachel is this desperate woman, but she's not desperate anymore. I mean, okay, I I understand she wants more children, but she has a son. And especially given the way that they talk and the way that they behave and their their inner world, which is so aligned. and, And I really do suspect that God spoke to them, to Rachel and Leah, before the switch took place, saying that's what they should do. And therefore, even though one could come to that conclusion, that she still has, and by the way, even if she has it, doesn't mean because she believes it, because she wanted to take it away from her father and never got rid of them. Nonetheless, I think the easier response is that it's Shechem. But I want to go back to one last point, and that's the Kliakar. The Kliakar over here notes, he says, Asirat Eloheinu nechar, source 21, Havale Lomar it should have said in your hands. What's So he goes on to explain that and I'm using my language now, that the world that they lived in was the world of Lavan. And the world of Lavan was a world of vodazara, even though that there was sometimes God on his lips, especially when convenient, it was a world that he believed in it was a world of Odazara. I truly believe that Rachel and Leah completely transcend that world, completely transcend that kind of uh, of a world outlook. And I think the whole body of work that we saw today goes in that direction. Nonetheless, it could be Yaakov saying to the children or to the servants or to the others, not just physically to get rid of it, and I love the Kliakos point, get rid of any impact that the world that you were brought up in, a world where your grandfather was speaking of or believed in idolatry, that you need to get that out of you as well. Again, not just the physical idolatry, but you need to get that completely out of your world. We're, we're going back into Eretz Yisrael. We're going to build a Mizbeach. We want to serve God now, and now we need to to become completely purified. Now we need to be something else. And as I said, I, I, I'm not convinced it's Peshat either. I just happen to like what he said. But I the reason why I'm not necessarily saying it's Peshat is because I think Rachel and Leah are so impressive. I, and especially impressive when you realize the father that they have. Lovin manipulates, and whenever he speaks about God, you can't trust him. Lovin is somebody who we saw, you know, when he he is willing to be honest at some point, yeah, the God of Nachar and the God of Avraham, and, and you know which one he believes in. But he says Baruch Hashem when it's convenient. If there's a sale to make, there's some kind of gain to be made. He'll say Baruch Hashem all day. He is a Baruch Hashemer. I mean, that's 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 what he does. But on the other hand, when you look at Rachel and Leah, I'll say it again, they are so impressive. They 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 have this spiritual sensitivity. They understand what's taking place in heaven and they speak about that down here on earth. And it could be with that kind of knowledge, especially why Rachel would have been so upset with Yaakov. You have more capability. Why aren't you praying like your father prayed? Why aren't you doing more? And, and again, Yaakov gets mad at this, but somebody who's spiritually sensitive can know what the capabilities of a Yaakov Avinu are. is. So again, I, I think that the whole theme that we saw today is so easy to miss. And yes, there's so much other exciting things in the parasha. But when you follow the name of God, that's all I did today. You follow the name of God, how it's used, or the names of God, how they're used. And you see the precision in which they're used. You see the knowledge. You see the understanding. You see the devotion. And you see the spirituality. And I, I hope that by the time I'm, I'm finished now, that you've come to this realization that both Leah and Rachel We don't have to question their monotheism. We don't have to question their belief, but quite the opposite. They are so much more impressive than maybe we realized before we started this uh, exploration. If you have questions, comments, you can just say you agree. That's also fine. I agree. I have a comment about the, uh, the sisters and I read somewhere or I heard somewhere that They were twins, which never occurred to me. Yeah, uh, that occurred to me as well. I don't know who said it, but I I just think that the Yaakov... Okay, let me put it this way. When Lovin says we don't let the younger one before the older one, the same terminology was used in the section of, of stealing the brachot, if that's the right word, where we're told... The younger son and the older son, it was used multiple times there, so if you say that that 's a parallel then just like they're twins, then they're twins you your Your question isn't on me. Your question is on the Moshev zakanem. I would agree with you. The Moshe of is the one who says, "Hold it, Rifka never sent anybody, so the answer is because he's still upset. I happen to agree with you. I think that's the easier way of reading it i find it i find it I find it quite. Strange that the Moshe of would say that, but then again, his solution to say, "Oh no, it was really God." That's what's really quite interesting. Again, it's it's interesting that he says that, but it's not. A, it's a, it, I think it's much more difficult to read. I think you're correct. Okay, so everybody have a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. I have a question. Yes. Um. <laughs> They say that Leah was afraid that she had to marry Asa. Um, yeah. Asa. Yeah. Asa already had three wives. Would have been really realistic that she <laughs> he would have taken a four, you know, like, no, but, they were so far away? You no, know, but that point was when they were young. When they were young. It's as if that, that the shidduch has made them very young. Oh, you have two sons, I have two daughters. You want to hear a story? I was once at a okay. wedding... And there was a fellow that lives in my neighborhood, that lives in my shul, who, who's from Scotland. And the wedding was somebody worked with me, and uh, and he's from Boston. And I said, "Oh, you know one another?" He goes, "No, we're cousins." I said, "Oh, you know, I didn't know you related." So then, one of them, whoever it wasn't their wedding, tells me the following story: that the great grandfather was from some place in Europe, and was traveling along as people did at that time, his wife had passed away and he had six sons and he ended up, I believe it was Liverpool and Liverpool is a port city and he was going to get on a boat in Liverpool and uh, travel to America and he meets a widow and the widow has six daughters and he wants to marry the widow and the widow says on one condition, actually six conditions, I don't want to marry. I don't want to marry any of my daughters. Your sons, my daughters, will will do one. We'll marry them all off. And uh, what can I say? The the man was smitten, and he agreed. Comes home, and he says to all of his uh, sons, "Mazel tov, Mazel tov, Mazel tov, Mazel You're uh, you're all engaged." And uh, and some of them actually got went through with it. Two of them said, "Is he out of his mind?" Just because he wants to marry this lady, we're we're, going to be stuck. So two of them snuck off and got on a boat and ended up in America, which is how my friend's grandfather lived in Boston. And uh, the other one, he married one of the girls, and that's why he ended up in Scotland. So... uh... So, maybe it was the same kind of thing that, oh, I got two sons, you got two daughters, let's uh, marry them off. But I, I don't think it was a practical plan at this particular time, you know, especially after Ace after of Decides to Marry early and often. Like they vote in Chicago. Thanks. Yeah. I have a, I have a yeah. question. Um, at what point would you say that? The whole idea of um, Leah davening that Dina's, switch became a girl, is that she had a, uh, like they had a Kodesh, or that God spoke to them originally, saying about that there will be 12 tribes. And yeah. so that both Rafa and Leah would have known that. Would that have been the minibua that you were saying that yeah. God speaking to them earlier? Yeah. Or would no, will be the twelve? Absolutely, that goes up the same path that they have this sense premonition knowledge navo that there will be twelve tribes and uh yeah, it's fascinating I mean that whole midrash is crazy, you know that right absolutely That's and 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 um, it and and it speaks towards the whole issue of uh who's the mother by surrogate motherhood is it based on i mean they, they use that midrash, which is actually very funny but I was just wondering is it that they knew this before, even before they did the switch for the wedding. But you notice what you're doing. I mean, you're you're asking me shot in a medrash. You know how far back to take it. I'm willing to go that far. I mean, that's that was exactly my point. That be, yeah yeah. That's exactly my point. Is that I do see a parallel. Is that if this is a parallel to Yaakov going in, Yaakov did it based on nivua. So maybe what they're doing is also based upon nivua. And now I'm after seeing everything else that we've seen today on you know the religious attitudes of Rachel and Leah. I'm I think I can now push that a little bit further or make you believe it, you know, with a better chance that you'd believe it than when I said it earlier, when you didn't see the whole, uh, you know, body of evidence. Thank okay, I also really enjoyed hearing about uh, Hashem and Elohim, about the names of when they were each used. There are a couple of times that I still have a little confusion there but um really everything played in really nicely yeah I but think. but it's there i'm i'm saying it's there the, the this is not something that we're forcing the text is there and okay maybe somebody else can nuance it slightly different than i nuance and that doesn't that doesn't bother me but, but it's there and the sensitivity of Leah and Rachel of what's going on in heaven and how they then bring it down to earth is just fascinating. And then you, re, then you begin to realize, you know, who they are. And otherwise you don't realize it. And it's so interesting that, you know, people just kind of skip over this part and, you know, let's go on. Okay. Shabbat okay, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.